Welcome to the North Shore Church audio podcast. To find out more information about North Shore Church, please visit us at mynsag.com. We hope you enjoy today's message. I want to just challenge you, prepare your heart, prepare your spirit to receive what God is going to share with you today through Jeff this morning. And so Jeff, come on up. Let's give him a hand as he comes. Thank you. I love this team here, right? I don't mean Nebraska. I don't mean Nebraska. I love this team here. What a great team. I mean, I'm not opposed to Nebraska either, unless they're playing Michigan. (laughs) What a way to start, right? No, really, most teams in red I don't like, right? If you know anything about sports, that school down south, yeah, if you live in Michigan, yeah, but I embrace the big red machine, love it. The black shirts or something, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm around. Don't be slow this morning. I know you're checking me out and I'm checking you out. I've been watching you during worship, right in the back back there, yeah. That's a great perspective. <laughs> now, I'm not creeping. Really, not at all. Okay, just a little. Hey, go to Habakkuk chapter 3. Habakkuk chapter 3. It is in the Bible. <laughs> right? Not, probably not too many people in here named Habakkuk. <laughs> right? Um, it's toward the end of the Old Testament. And... Um, You'll find it if you just keep going right, right before you get into the New Testament. Habakkuk chapter 3. It's been a great week. I really appreciate this, this team here and the young people here and what God is doing. I want you to know your greatest days are in front of you as a church. You believe that? Your greatest days are in front of you as a church. I really believe in what God is doing here and the leadership team here and... Uh, I know that this region is going to hear from you. This region is going to hear from you, right? I know that's hard to get when you look at the person next to you. You're thinking, them? Come on, right? But this is, uh, this, is a, this is a well. This is an oasis in the Midwest. And uh, I really believe that. I've been praying for you the last couple of days and believing that in the next few years, specifically even in 17, that God is going to bring many people to this place just for refreshing, just to learn, just to learn. Other leaders, your impact is, is going to um, broaden. The best is yet to come. Amen? Good. I love you too. Habakkuk chapter 3, I I wish I could take you and show you um, the church that I see in America. Because if the church is in the hands of the young people in America, the church is in great hands. It really is. If you could see 
You know, if I could just like take you all to a camp or if we could just like show a video of what God is. This summer I was in eight different camps across our nation. I'm in a different city, in a different church every week. And I get that perspective and it's encouraging, discouraging, encouraging. At times it depends on where you're at, right? It's encouraging to see what God is doing in the church because God is... The church has been alive in every era of human history. God's going to use his church. He doesn't have another plan, right? God doesn't have a second son. Like, well, Jesus didn't work. Let's try another idea, (laughs) right? He doesn't have that. The church works. The church works. And I believe this place is going to bring life to this whole area. I, I wish you could see the... I wish I could just like take time and share stories of you of how God is moving. But I look forward to hearing more from this place. Habakkuk chapter three, look at verse one. The prayer of Habakkuk the prophet. So this is a prayer. This prayer uh, takes the form of a song. Okay, This prayer takes the form of a song. Look at verse two. Lord, I've heard your speech and I was afraid. Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. Verse three, God came from Teman, the holy one from Mount Paran. The glory covered, his glory covered the heavens and the earth was full of his praise. His brightness was like the light he had rays flashing from his hand. And there, and there his power was hidden. Some of the greatest words spoken in the Old Testament come from Habakkuk. You know that? Habakkuk was one of the younger prophets who was raised up. Some call him, call him part of the minor prophets. But how many know there's nothing minor about the prophets? <laughs> When the prophets bring it, they came full game. And in, this, in this, uh, this chapter, chapter three, you have these words, and you've heard these before. Lord, we've heard about your, the, the past. We've heard about what you've done. Revive that, bring it back again, right? If you back up to chapter one, you see the same language. And he says this, um, Lord, how long will, you, will, will we cry and you not hear us, right? Um, why do you show me iniquity and cause me to see trouble for plundering, right, and all that stuff? And then look at verse 5. Look among the nations and watch. Be astounded, for I will work a work in your days which you would not even believe if you were told them. Right? This is the, listen, this is a young prophet, Habakkuk, who even though he had heard all about what God was doing, he was calling the nation of Israel to what God is doing we pray prayers often like god move god you you god you got to do something god move and i think god at times scratches his head and says hold it i am moving right i mean think about that we say little things like god you need to do so you need and i think god says to us hold it i'm already doing something you need to catch up with me Right? I mean, if you look at the Argentinian revivals, if you look at what's going on in the underground church in China, 
exploding to the tune of millions of people coming to Christ. If you were to see in Africa, if you were to go onto Google this afternoon and, and look at the, the simple revivals that are going on in Africa that are drawing millions of people in a crusade, it would blow your mind. Not thousands of people. Not hundreds of people like we gather in America, but literally millions of people. There was just, in this past summer, a crusade in Nigeria of 1.8 million people. How do you, what do you, can you even wrap your mind around that? This is not 5,000 or 20,000 people that Jesus fed on on a hillside. This is 1.8 million people who gathered to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Where do you feed, where do they go to the bed? What happens in that moment? This is four days of a lot of people. And they wouldn't leave. I heard Reinhard Bonnke's associate evangelist, his name is Daniel Kalinda, say these words last fall. He was traveling through America and he was speaking to the church in America. And he was saying the reasons why you have hundreds of people in church is because you're not praying. The reason why we have millions of people in church in Africa is because we're praying. He said, we will have, and I want you to picture this in your mind, one, a million plus people, right, depending on the crusade. I want you to picture that in your mind. He said, in the background, you can see a soccer stadium lit up in, in the night. And in that soccer stadium are 100,000 people. And you know what those people are doing in the soccer stadium? They're praying. That's not even where the meeting's being held. The meeting, soccer stadiums, they're not big enough. Hello? The big house in Ann Arbor isn't big enough. And so we put our intercessors there and they pray for four days for the millions of people that are gonna come to Christ that week. Listen, God is doing something in our day that if you were to even begin to see it, you wouldn't believe it because of where you live. And God is speaking to young people like Habakkuk, to young people who are in this place across America. God is moving in this younger generation because they want to see the next great awakening. Do you understand that people, most of the people in this church have heard about awakenings and you've heard about revivals. As a matter of fact, most of the people in this church have lived through them. Some of you can remember at the turn of the century, you didn't live at this time, but at the turn of the 19th century, the Azusa Street Revival that literally began this church, the denomination that we attend, the Assemblies of God. It was born out of these revival meetings in the early 1900s. The Jesus movement, right? We had the Jesus movement that revolutionized California in the West and then spread across the country. And then periodic revivals and smaller outbreaks. We haven't seen a significant one since 1995 in Florida, where literally people, millions of people came from across the planet, every continent, Time Magazine, front page. Broadcasts, opening up their evening news with shots from Brownsville, in the Brownsville Revival. But that was 20 years ago. Do you understand? That was 20 years ago. 
We haven't seen a significant, remarkable outpouring in America in the, life, in the lifespan of most young adults in this church. Teenagers, for sure. And that's not good with me, and it shouldn't be with the church today. We should be doing everything that we can to see, to, to not just hear what God, God has done, but to see it with our own eyes, right? I don't want to hear about the greatest days of the church. I want to live them, right? <laughs> I want to run. I just want to run right now, but anyway, that's, I'm emotional, so. Look at Habakkuk one more time. Go to chapter 2. He says this in verse 14. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Isn't that a powerful? You've heard that before. This is like Hallmark stuff. This is tweetable. Right? Habakkuk was a young man who lived about the same time as Isaiah and Daniel. Wouldn't that be a great crowd to hang out with? Right? You know, I was with Daniel the other day. <laughs> I mean, hopefully it wasn't in the lion's den, but, or the fiery furnace thing, right? But they were contemporaries. They worked together to bring Judah, to bring Israel, God's people, back into, uh, to reform them from their idolatry and their materialism. That's, that's, why, that's why these prophets prophesied. Because the Holy Spirit came upon them and brought, to, brought a word to them to their generation, and God's doing the same thing today. You know that? There are young, listen, there are young people in here. There, there may be adults in here who still, you are still finding why you are living. You haven't defined your dash yet. You were born in 19, and today you're still alive. When you know the two most important days of your life are when you were born and when you realize why you were born. And I believe there are many of you in this place. I, I, can, I can smell it. There are many of you in this place who, are, who God wants to use to impact this generation. He wants to use you. He's, he has a plan for your life. Because the Holy Spirit comes alive in every generation where there is great need. The Holy Spirit comes alive in every generation where there is great need. Do we not need an awakening in America today. If you were to look and, and you were to place Israel here, right, and define Israel and its idolatry and its disobedience and its paganism, right, its materialism, and then you were to look at America and begin to define America, and America looks exactly like Israel did at the time of the prophets. Materialistic, paganism, idolatry, right, disobedience, all that stuff is going on. And God raised these prophets up to call them Back to the word, back to the Ten Commandments, literally, to the words of the prophets, right? And God is doing the same thing today in America. He's raising up young people. He's raising up moms and dads to speak into our culture. That's why this place exists, right? I want you to see the Holy Spirit come alive in every generation. Take yourself back to Genesis, Right? Genesis chapter 1. The Bible says that the earth was formless and void, and darkness covered the face of the deep. Right? You remember that? And into that setting came what? The power of the Spirit. God the Father thought it, Jesus spoke it, and the Holy Spirit began to execute it. And the Bible says that in Genesis 1 that the Holy Spirit began to brood over the face of the deep. Right? 
and he began to create. And so we see the Holy Spirit in creation. After that, the fall of man began with apple. I mean, with an apple. Sorry, PC guy here. <laughs> Android. I split, the, I split y'all in half here probably, but, or maybe the three quarters of us that are in PC and the other quarter, anyway. After the Holy Spirit in creation, right, we have this fall of man, and then comes what? The law. The Holy Spirit begins to move upon Moses, and Moses meets with God, and these 10 words are given literally. They're not even really called commandments. They're, the word in Hebrew is called the words, the 10 words of God. And the, the Holy Spirit brings these words to us to call us back to his creation, to call us back to that relationship, right? So you have the Holy Spirit in creation, the Holy Spirit in the law. And then we got bad again, and we did our little thing, right? And Israel goes away from God and the commandments, and then come the prophets like we just read. And what did the prophets do? The prophets called Israel back to the word, back to the law, right? And in between this time, which is somewhere around 1,500 years to 3,000 years, you'll see this space of time through the moving of the Spirit, and that's significant. Another 1,500, 2,000 years goes by, and we've had the creation, we've had the law, we've had the, the age of the prophets. And what comes next? Jesus Christ. And we have the age of the Messiah, and the Holy Spirit falls upon Christ. Isn't that an interesting thought? That even Jesus needed to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Isn't that an interesting thought? We don't think about that very often. We know he was baptized in water, but how does the Trinity need to be filled with the Trinity, <laughs> right? And Jesus comes and he says, no, it's important that you baptize me. And he gets baptized in water and the Holy Spirit descends upon him and the age of the Messiah begins and he begins to set up the kingdom with the Beatitudes, right? Matthew 5, 6, and 7. You can read those. That's our kingdom attitudes. And so you have the Ten Commandments and you have the Beatitudes, the Old Testament commandments and the New Testament commandments, right? You didn't know we had two sets of commandments. They're in red. They're the words in red. Interestingly enough, the Holy Spirit comes alive in that messianic age. Then we have another age. We had creation, we had the law, we had the prophets, we had the age of the Messiah. The fifth age of the Holy Spirit you are living in today, and it's been about 2,000 years since the last move of the Spirit upon the church in Acts. Could it be that we are close, right? I know every generation has said that, but many of their prophecies were not fulfilled. I want you to understand that right now, this age of the, of the apostles, the age of the church, the book of Acts calls it the, the age or the, the book of the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the apostles, right? There's different um, titles for the book of Acts. You and I are living in the book of Acts right now. You might say Acts 29, there are only 28 chapters there, so don't get confused, but we are living in what we would call the age of the Spirit, the fifth age. And God is raising up young people. God is raising up moms and dads. God is raising up an intergenerational church that is being moved 
moved upon by the power of the Holy Spirit today. We have something to say to our generation. I believe that. Listen, God has placed the church in every community for a reason. The hope of America is not found in the government. And aren't you glad for that? This is what we have. We're gonna go and we're gonna, we're gonna do our thing in November and yes, that's what we have. But let me tell you something. God is not limited by a presidential candidate. God is not limited by a presidential candidate. Right? You gotta know that. God is not intimidated by darkness. He is not intimidated by the condition of America. God is not looking at us going, I don't, I don't know what to do. What are we going to do? Jesus, Jesus. Right hand of the Father. Jesus, what are you? you got to go do something. God's not worried. Things are not out of control. Let me tell you something. God knows exactly what he's doing, and he's doing it through you and me. That might be the scary part, <laughs> that the person next to you is the one that we have to rely upon. See, God is not finished. He knows exactly what he wants to do in the church today. When you look at the language of Habakkuk, um, follow through in chapter 3. And read verse 3 again with me, verse 3 and 4. The Holy One from Mount Paran comes, right? His glory covered the heavens, and the earth was full of his praise. His brightness was like the light. He had rays flashing from his hand, and there his power was hidden. Listen, this is a picture of God moving in culture. Even in darkness, hear me, even in darkness, in the worst times of your life, God comes in like a flash, right? Flash mobs, you've seen those, right? Watch the video, you know, just go to you. Watch the flash mobs in the middle of the mall, and everyone's just doing their thing, and all of a sudden it's like, bam, and there's God, right? This is, yes, man, you got me excited. I don't mind if you talk back, okay? I was raised in a very uh, diverse church, Okay, they did a lot of talking back in that play. Doesn't make it longer, just makes it more fun. See, God wants to awaken the church with this blast of color. You ever heard the color runs? The Holy Spirit is like a color run. Right? You know, you, you wear your white t-shirt and you get to the finish line and they, they throw all this color on you. The Holy Spirit comes into our life like a kaleidoscope. Right? God the Father we know. Jesus we know. But who is the Holy Spirit? He is a person. He's not an it. He is a person. And he wants a relationship with the church. Listen, the Holy Spirit has come upon people from the beginning of time. You know that? Joseph. Wow. Look at the assignment God gave him. David. As a teenager, probably a lad, probably a preteen, revolutionized the kingdom. And the Bible says the Spirit came upon him from that day forward when they anointed him, when Samuel anointed him, and he revolutionized Israel. Josiah, can you imagine that? Josiah was eight years old and he became king. 
<laughs> Wouldn't you like that for a third choice today? <laughs> I wouldn't mind that. I had cha-ching, you know, right? Free Skittles! <laughs> right? I mean, that would be a blast. Like, every Friday, recess. All day. Got your vote, right? I mean, that'd be a real easy vote right there, looking at, yeah, anyway. <laughs> See, the Holy Spirit has come upon people. What about Mary, Mary Magdalene, right? Demon-possessed. Mary Magdalene, moved upon by the Holy Spirit and becomes one of the great mothers of the church. When we see how God changed Saul into Paul, do you understand the, revolution, the, the revolutionary personality of Paul was transformed by a flash of light, by a color run, right? And this powder comes up. I mean, not really, but, you know, that's how I, I see it. And Saul, who was destroying the church, is revolutionized by the power of God, right? Some say C.S. Lewis has said, the, the great theologian C.S. Lewis has said that Paul was the greatest Christian to ever live. Wow. Because of the power of the Holy Spirit upon his life. So we look at the history of the Holy Spirit moving and we see that he's not finished today. I want to give you two simple points this morning. All of that was the introduction. <laughs> Can I just have a few more minutes, right? Right, a few more minutes. I won't go long. Not real long although that's relative. Two simple points. We, I believe that this next great awakening that we're going to experience, we've seen that first, the second, the other, the third great awakening that, others, that many people have been prophesying. I believe there are some things that need to happen first. The first one is the Holy Spirit in the family. We don't think about that very often. When we think of revival or we think of awakening, we don't think of the Holy Spirit moving in our family. We think of the Holy Spirit moving in services and revival services, right, on the digital sign. Revival services, and the date begins and the date ends, and then we, is revival over? But what about the Holy Spirit moving in our family? As Habakkuk said, we've heard, right, moms and dads, maybe you've told stories Grandmas and grandpas, maybe you've told stories about what God did in the past, but I don't want my children to hear about it. I want them to see it. God, right? right? Verse two, Lord, we've heard your speech. We were afraid. Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. In the, in the midst of wrath, let it be known. In the darkness, let it be known. What does God have to do in the family? God needs to awaken moms and dads to lead their family spiritually. God needs to awaken the spiritual authority in the home. Because hear me, our government is not going to wake up tomorrow and begin an awakening. Education system tomorrow. Our students are going to go to school. The education system is not going to come on the speaker and say, would everyone bow their heads and pray? I'm going to read the Ten Commandments. Not going to happen. The hope of America is not found in government or education. The hope of America is not found in entertainment or Hollywood. It does, the scriptures do not say, Jesus did not teach us to pray, our Father which art in Wall Street. Our Father which art in Hollywood. Our Father which art in Washington. 
No, 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 no. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. We need the anointing of the Holy Spirit in our families. Because families is where we dream. Families is where we have visions. Where students and young people are told, you can reach the world. You can change a nation. You can do something significant. Because moms and dads believe in their children. Right? Maybe you saw with me a revival hit a young man on the streets of Baltimore. I love this. During the Baltimore riots, a young teenage boy on the streets, face covered, right, rioting and protesting, you know, and you see the smoke fill the streets and things being thrown, right, and we watch this. I'm watching this on the news, and into the screen walks a mother. Oh, yeah. This, I don't know her background, but I want to I say I think she was a Holy Ghost mother. She wasn't a Holy Spirit mother. She was a Holy Ghost mother. This is classic. There was no tame about her, right? Here's this dude, right? He's like, hey, you know, and ha, ha, and, yeah, this. And in comes his mother, grabs him by the ear, and pulls him off the streets. Oh, God, give us mothers like that again, right? <laughs> she slaps him up one side, right, down the other, all the way back to the car in the parking lot, right? All his friends are like, where are you going? He's like, right? What do you do? Total control. Gets into the car, opens the door, pushes him in, and she's like, right? Right. God, give us mothers and fathers like that who want their children to do something significant and remarkable by the way they raise them. Listen, Plato saw it 400 years before Christ. Plato made this statement. If you want to revolutionize a society, you begin with the music of its children. Yeah, that's really good. If you want to reform a society, you begin with the music of its children. And he didn't even have 21 pilots. Taylor Swift. Justin Bieber. No. They weren't even around. Can you imagine what would happen if you would redeem your home for Christ and, fl and flooding your home would be godly worship? 24-7. We have friends of ours who do this. We've done it in our home for years. He plays through the home. Can't get away from it. Hear me. God wants to revolutionize America, and he's going to begin with the home. Let me give you some, can I get real practical here? Because I know that we are at different levels of our relationship with God. And so for some of us, maybe this is a very intimidating point. Because maybe the father, maybe the mother, maybe the aunt or the grandmother who's raising you because of, we live in broken homes, right? Maybe they're not as spiritually driven and maybe they need a little help. It's intimidating to lead if you are a man 
and you're not as, as strong spiritually. It, it can be intimidating. Let me give you some help. Number one, start early. Raise your children at an early age to be spiritual, right? Because if you're gonna try to reach them in their teen years, you're shooting from behind the culture. Raise them early, pray with them early. We prayed with our children every single night. If I was home, uh, Jane carried that mantle on a regular basis, but if, if I was home, I would pray over our three kids. I would walk in, put them to bed, and lay hands on them. And even when I would go to bed later when they were sleeping, I'd walk back in and I would speak into, into my kids' lives. Second, take back the table, the dinner table, right? Oh my. That was the one place we told our kids you could talk with food in your mouth. Please. Spit it all over, whatever, right? I just want to hear, right? My daughter, my daughter loved to talk. Jory, she's 26 and married now, but she, would, she wouldn't shut up at the table. She'd be like, you know, and then that, and then this, and you know, it's dripping all over, and my other two sons would be like, oh, there she goes again. <laughs> my, my oldest son, he's 28, married. I have, I have a grandson with them, and he wouldn't sit down. He couldn't sit at the table. He was always shaking, you know, and he's like eating. He's like, can I go? Can I go? No, sit down. We haven't talked yet. Well, Jory has been talking the whole time, you know. And we raised our kids. I would tell them stories at the table. And the table would come alive with the stories of Jesus. And then we would act them out, right? We would be done eating and we would act the story out. And I'd be a tree, Right? And the youngest one, Justin, would crawl up on me, and he'd be, he'd be Zacchaeus, right? Oh, yeah, man. And the story would come alive, right? And he'd be up there. And then uh, Jory, she always had to be Jesus, no matter what. She's the little leader in the family, you know. The oldest son, Jaron, would be like, okay, you can be Jesus again, you know. And she would, she would be walking by, and Jaron would be like the crowd or whatever, you know, and he would be the follower of Jory. <laughs> and walk by, and Justin would be like, Looking, he's got his part, right? And he's like, it's Jesus. Look, everyone is, right? And then Jory would yell, Zacchaeus, you come down, right? And he'd jump out of the tree and they'd all roll around on the ground, and, right? Do you understand the spiritual formation of that moment in my kids' lives? When my wife takes a bag, a pla just a, uh, a paper uh, lunch sack and gives it to each one of the kids with their name on it and puts an apple in each bag, and says, now, we're going to let these bags sit on the counter for 30 days. Right? And the kids, every day, they're checking it, and they're like, oh. a week later, okay, okay. Two weeks later, three weeks later, and all of a sudden, the bag starts, you know, it's soiled. Mm-hmm. And then there's flies around it, and the kids are like, ooh. Now they don't even go to the bag, Right? And after that month, we pull it out in family devotions, and Jane opens each kid's bag and said, this is what sin does in your life. I've heard my kids talk about that illustration. Family devotions and, and gaining the table back will revolutionize your family. Play Pastor's Podcast, right? 
Finally, this, this other area, fathers and mothers who are spiritual leaders themselves and model Christianity. We don't come here to worship. We come here worshiping. We don't come here to pray. We come here praying because it's something that we, it's who we are. We got to get this flipped in the, in the American church. In the American church, this is the place where we come to do these spiritual things. This is the place where we come and we're, we're spiritual. And when we leave, we have, it's a whole nother world and there's this separation. Only when we realize the Holy Spirit wants to work out there are we going to see this thing happen in community. Listen, if you look at the scriptures, some of the greatest moments in the Bible, some of the greatest moments in the Bible did not take place in the temple. They took place on the streets. <laughs> Dude, did you get that? I mean, you can read through it. Some of the greatest miracles did not take place in church. They took place in the marketplace, down on the beach, out on a hill, in the street, at Jesus' home. Remember that in Mark where Jesus goes home and the Bible says the whole city was gathered at his home. The whole city went to pastor's house to see a miracle. Cut a, right? Cut a hole in his roof. Please don't. I know some of you like dropping toilets in different yards and stuff like that, but please, no, 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 no. Especially when you Photoshop the evangelist in doing it. I did not do that. Okay, I did not drop the toilet in your yard, sir. They did. <laughs> you see, God wants to move outside of the temple. God wants to move in the marketplace. God wants to move in our homes. F finally, the second point, the second thing that I think will bring an awakening in America is the Holy Spirit moving in the church. Not just the Holy Spirit moving in the family and how desperately we need that today, but the Holy Spirit moving in his church. Right? We've done everything we can think of in America to build the church. Self-help books, seminars and conferences. We took the pastor out of suits and put him in jeans. Right? Remember that? And all the old timers are like, oh, I don't know about that. Where's the tie? Right? Well, how's that working for us? Is, does that bring revival? Is that awakening America? Is it new websites and letterhead and electronic signs, new buildings and fresh lights, right? Uh, drummer, guitar. Oh, listen, that's not going to bring an awakening. The one thing that we haven't tried to bring an awakening might be the one thing that will work, and that is prayer and intercession. Hear me, if we, if, we, if we don't pray, if we don't pray, then we're just, this is what we're gonna get. Our best efforts. This is what happens when we don't pray. And hear me, you don't pay the pastor to pray. The pastor's praying because he got saved. You pay the pastor to get you to pray. Did you know that's the reason why? I knew it would get really quiet right there. See, in the East, in the global church, you want to know why the global church is exploding? Because they understand the ministry of the saints. 
The ministry of the saints is exploding the, the, the Argentine revival in South America. It's not big name preachers. The, the global church, hear me, the global church gets this right. In the underground church in China, it is exploding because of multiple saints leading outbreaks. Small groups. Millions of people in China coming to Christ. These revivals in, in Africa would never take place without the ministry of the saints. We're literally in villages across that great continent. There are pastors and leaders, and there are preachers who, have, who don't do this full time. They, they have, they have, their ministries are a ministry of the saints because the church is the largest volunteer organization on the planet. We get pastors to teach us to do the work of the ministry. Ephesians chapter five. It's not pastor who should be visiting people in the hospital. It's not pastor who should be visiting the shut-ins. It's not pastor who should be praying with the people at the, it's, do you hear what I'm saying? It's pastor teaching us how to do those things. And when that happens in the American church, we won't come as spectators. We won't come as spectators or fans. We will become players in this game called Christianity. Players. I'm not here to watch. Like, I grew up in a church in the 90s that had explosive growth from about seven or 800 people to 5,200 people in about eight years, okay? That was a pastor in that church. I was one of the, I was the youth pastor, one of the 15 pastors on staff as that church saw amazing growth. We had five services on a Sunday. Because the sanctuary, we couldn't build the sanctuary fast enough. We had three in the morning and two at night. You know what? I didn't want to miss one service. I mean, I didn't even have to be there, all of them. I'd be at two in the morning and one at, one at night. I didn't want to miss. I grew up saying, I want to see all the people. I, I want to pray for all the I want to worship with all the people. I want to talk to them all, Right? And we're doing everything we can in the American church to barely fill sanctuaries of 800 people. Maybe it's because we're missing the one thing that we haven't tried yet. Prayer. Believing. Believing. Sacrificial. Disciplined prayer from the saints. Listen, the one thing that Jesus taught the disciples was prayer. Right? The disciples didn't say, Jesus, show us how to do those miracles. Jesus, show us how to worship. Right? It wasn't the worship that impacted. It wasn't even the miracles that impacted them. They didn't say, Jesus, show us how to evangelize. Show us how to teach. No. The one thing that impacted the disciples the most was the way that he prayed. Jesus, teach us to do that. When he prayed, things happened. In, in the first six chapters of the book of Mark, it's an amazing read. From Mark chapter one all the way to Mark chapter six, everywhere Jesus went, the people followed 
seriously, you, you need to read it. It's really, it, it will revolutionize the way you chase and who you chase. Jesus would go home. He would go home and the whole city would show up at the door. He would go down by the seashore and so many people pressed into him that he had to back up into the waters, right? And then get in a boat and teach them because there were so many on the, on the, on the seashore. He would take time off to rest. He would go up into the mountains to pray. This is what the scriptures say. He would go up into the mountains to pray. And Mark said, while he was there, his disciples were hunting for him everywhere. Do you see this? It's like wherever the lamb, wherever you know, the shepherd goes, the lamb's following after. And he would go up into the mountains and they would find him after a day or two. And they would rush to him and they would say, everyone is looking for you. Right? It's like that person that can't leave you alone and they follow you everywhere. Jesus would then go to the other side of the sea. Remember that story where he got into the boat and the Bible says that as he went across the sea, there were other little boats that followed behind him. And there were people running on foot. This is what it says. People running on foot from every area in the Decapolis to meet him on the other side. They couldn't stay away from him. Pastor said it just a few moments ago at the beginning of this, uh, at the end of the worship time, beginning of this message, when he said this, we are just totally in love with Jesus. This is, it's all about him. Hear me, when you learn, when you are taught and you learn how to pray, it's a game changer for the church. Just strap in, put your helmet on and get ready. When God teaches you how to pray, it changes everything. When the Holy Spirit pastors the church, when the Holy Spirit pastors the church, amazing things happen. When the Holy Spirit pastors your home, will you stand, please? It is not time for one person to stand in our generation. It is time for an entire generation to stand as one. Hear me? It is not time for one person to stand. It's not time for the pastor to stand or Pastor Dan, this staff. It's not time for them to stand. It's time for an entire generation to stand as one together. If you're going to see the greatest days of this church, in 2017, I challenged this youth ministry leaders last night to 200 students by the end of this school year. And I felt bad that it wasn't high enough. I went back after I challenged the students and this pastor. I went back to my room and I, and I literally, I felt the spirit say to me, 200? What are you doing? There are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of students in this county. And you told them 200? Listen, church. I would not be surprised if this church tripled in 2017.
You have the facilities. You have the leadership. You have the organization and the structure for God to do his greatest work in the history of this church. Do you feel it? Do you even sense it? I can't bring it. It's not up to this team to bring it. Shepherds do not beget sheep. Sheep beget sheep. When you learn how to pray and the Holy Spirit is set alive in your home, when you learn how to pray and the Holy Spirit pastors the church, look out. Let me encourage you. I attend a church up in Minneapolis that went through dynamic growth. I've lived there for 11 years now. The church that I attend is called River Valley Church. In the first four years that I was there, the church hovered between six and 800 people, just like this church. There's probably over a thousand people that come here in a month. My church was doing, it was the same way. And I watched my pastor struggle and pray through different kinds of things and different approaches. It was only in the last four to five years that we've seen incredible growth in that church. The church now runs about 81 or 8,200. And most of that growth came in the past four years. To be honest, in the past two to three years. Why? It is the principle of spiritual leadership. saints. Here's what I want to do. I know we're about done and you need to get your kids and all that. Pastor didn't even tell me what time this service ended. He told me the last one ended at 10, 15, so I don't even know when we're supposed to be done. Maybe we're done a little early here, but normally in church when we stand, I get this. I, I've been, I was a professional too in church. I was raised in this. When we stand, we get excited because it's time to leave, right? You get your stuff Tell the kids, hang on, almost done, right? Are we done? Yeah, almost done. Because we stood. But the Lord challenged me way back in January that every place I go to end on Sunday morning in prayer and intercession. My wife passed away eight months ago in December. She birthed this ministry that we're doing today. I was a professor, I was teaching in one of our universities in Minneapolis for 10 years. And about a year and a half ago, we, her and I began to dream. And she said, honey, you, you don't belong in the classroom. We began to put that together and see what that would look like. I've never shared this before, by the way. I've never shared this, what I'm about to share with you right now. I'm still going through that process. I was walking into the sanctuary during your worship this morning and the Lord spoke to me and asked me to share this with you. Jane would say, 
to me. Love the church. In her last days, she was in a coma. She had a stroke, and in her last days, 19 days in a coma. Right before she went to coma, she told me, love the church. God's going to give you your greatest days. Your greatest days of ministry in front of you. Just love the church. I don't say this lightly. I believe this place is going to be a flagship church in the Midwest. I truly believe it. And I felt the presence of the Holy Spirit as I walked into this place say, remember Jane's words. I want you to know I've learned to love you the last four days because I see something, something divine, something supernatural that's going to happen in this place. But it only begins when we pray. The Lord said to me in 2016, right after Jane passed in January, every church you go to this year and the services in prayer. I've seen it go an hour past the service times. I was in Arizona. I left the church because I had a flight. I got home at 7.15 and there was a message on my phone and the pastor said, Jeff, you won't believe this. I just left at 2.45 and there's still people praying in the church. I don't know what God wants to do here, but I know that he, he begins everything through prayer and fasting. Here's what I want us to do. This team is going to lead us. I'm going to ask you to just turn this place into a place of prayer before you leave, before you get the kids. It's, it's 12.10. Do you have five minutes? I want you to come forward, step into the altars, walk in the I don't care what you do. I want you to turn this place. You can, you can turn and kneel. And we're, we're, I don't care what you do and what that looks like. But in these next few minutes, could we just begin to seek the Lord in this place? Come on. Move. Move now. Come on, move right now. I'll, we'll bring in the dismissal in just a moment, but I want to lead you through just a few minutes of prayer. If, if you're wanting to dismiss yourself, maybe you have something to do. I understand that. But if you're struggling with whether you should pray or not, you probably should pray. And maybe that's the breakthrough. Maybe that's the lid. Maybe that's what has to, be, has to happen. Come on. The rule is you got to move. Please don't stay where you're at. The rule is you got to move. You got to do so. Listen, if you want what you've never got, then you got to do what you've never done. Come on, stretch yourself. Step out right now. Turn in that chair and put your put your elbows on the, on that seat and begin to seek His face right now. Come on, fill this place. Fill this place with your prayers. No place. God, there's no place I'm trying. Ask God to revive you. Pray for you. We can't see a national revival until we see a personal one. 
Come on, fill this place with prayers. God, forgive me. God, forgive me. God, forgive me. Awaken me. Awaken me. spiritual leader to your kids come on they're watching you they're watching you mom same thing model it we cry out to you awaken me as a mom and a dad come on students you pray the same thing God I've not been a very good kid I've not been obeying my parents I've not honored them God do something in me right now You know that one of the great prophecies in the Old Testament says that before the coming of the day of the Lord, God will restore the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children of the fathers. Come on, pray that. Malachi prayed that. Malachi prophesied that over Israel. We're not going to see an awakening without the family. God, move in our families. God, awaken our families. Teach us obedience, God. Help us to do something in our families, to be active in our families. presence of the Spirit. Fill my home with the presence of the Spirit. Listen, I want you to begin to pray for our nation right now, right? Come on, pray for our government. Pray from Washington right to Hastings. Come on, pray for, pray for the leaders. 
Pray for this election. Pray for the spiritual leaders that are in our country, right, in these positions. Pray that God would awaken them. Come on. No idols in our nation. Pray to the highest land, highest seat in the land for revival and awakening. Pray it over President Obama. Pray it over candidate Clinton, over candidate uh, Trump, over, over the Congress in the Senate. Pray it, come on. Pray, there are, there are men and women of God in these, in these places. There are, pray that they would have the voice, that they would have the voice of God in these settings, right? Pray for revival in, in, in the halls of Congress. Come on, pray for it in the House of the Senate. Pray for it right now. Raise up believers, Lord. We are not going to be a nation of idols. There is no God before us. Our Father who art in heaven, heaven, hallowed be thy name, right? Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Forgive us, forgive us, and grant us daily bread in your presence. Your kingdom come, thy will, right? Give us everything that we need. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Yours is the authority forever. raised above my kingdom. Yes, yes. Come on, one more minute. One more minute. congregation right now. I pray for those who are in the service before us, those that couldn't be here. Holy Spirit, come alive in their homes. Pastor their homes. God, I pray that, that greater things would happen in their homes than would happen here. And I pray that all they would do when they come to this place is share the winds. I pray that they walk into this place, they would say something like, you wouldn't believe what God did in my home this week. You wouldn't believe what he did with my children this week. We had family devotions and the Spirit came into our home. Awaken this, the homes of this place. God, I pray that the Holy Spirit will come alive in this church, in this church, in, the, in this team, this pastor and his team. 
I pray that the Holy Spirit will come alive in the worship. The Holy Spirit will come alive in the word, in the children, in the young people, from the teenagers to the teenagers. I pray the Holy Spirit would fall and move through us. Lord, I pray that so many people will come to this place in 2017 that we wouldn't even know what to do. God, start a party. Start a party. Do something as Habakkuk said, we wouldn't even understand it. We wouldn't even understand it. just just a taste it says oh taste and see that the Lord is good this morning is just a taste my prayer for this church is that we would develop an appetite we develop an appetite for the things of God an appetite for the presence of the Holy Spirit to move and operate in our homes and in our church that we would develop an appetite that we would we would take that with us wherever we go I'm gonna pray over you just by, oh, raise your hands if you're comfortable all across this place let's just raise our hands Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we thank you. Jesus, what has started in our hearts and in our lives this morning, I pray that you would complete. Bring to completion, Lord Jesus. Bring us all the way there. Let us experience your presence. Let us know you in a way that we never have known before. Surprise us, Lord. Surprise us. We love you. We thank you. If you want to stay and pray, stay and pray. The worship team is going to continue to pray. I know many of you got to go get kids. Go, be blessed. But if you want to stay and just spend a few more minutes in the presence of the Lord, grow and develop that spiritual appetite a little bit, I'd encourage you to stay. Love you guys. Be blessed.